Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Back to America's Heroes Group, our roundtable. We are globally connected. Military Families Matters with partner family caregiver Keisha L. Jackson. Today is Saturday, February 4th, 2023. February is Black History and American Heart Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have our partner on the line, Keisha L. Jackson. She's a U.S. Air Force veteran and family caregiver. And he brought us, she brought us again a wonderful panelist. And that is Dr. Robert W. Turner II, a former professional football player and also currently an assistant professor at the Department of Clinical Research and Leadership at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Science. How are you guys doing today? Hey, Sean. I'm doing well. Doctor? I'm doing well. I'm feeling blessed. Very good. My dad's having a great day today, and uh, we all think blessed. It's all good. Glad you guys have you here. Glad to have you here. So we're going to continue the conversation, the black male caregiver of loved ones with dementia. We talked about this a little bit before. before, Just before you all get into that conversation, and I definitely want to leave way for you all to to really get into it since we didn't have a lot of time last time. But I did want to mention that uh, the, the third Friday in February is every every year is National Caregiver Day. And so I wanted to just recognize all of my fellow caregivers out there, professional, independent, private, informal, and fair uh, family caregivers and say thank you. Um, often you don't look to be thankful what you do, but um, caregivers do a lot and uh, are definitely, definitely appreciated. Wow, that's really, that's really amazing. And also, that's, that's one thing that's so important to give recognition, though, even though you may not be looking for anything in return, that does help to be appreciated. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing I'll mention, and then allow, you know, for you and Dr. Turner to move in and uh, into your conversation. You know, I mentioned when I was caring for my mom and how I got into this topic of caregiving was I started going to conferences and I noticed that there were a lot of people there, but there were not a lot of people of color and there were not a lot of men in particular, our black men there that were there. And so to have Dr. Turner again back on the show this week, uh, since we had him just in December, I'm just so excited about the fact that you and uh, Dr. Turner will be able to dialogue. So I'm going to step out and allow you all to go, go, go to it. <laughs> so doctor, what can you tell us about the role of a black male is particularly being a caregiver. Um, it's disappointing to hear that not many black caregivers came up for the event, but tell us what you see and how, you know, how, what it means to you. Well, uh, first thing I want to do is just, um, and Keisha, I, I really appreciate you saying what you did, you know, um, leading into the conversation because even though black men are not showing up at conferences and a lot of, uh, you know, African-American black folks are not showing up at these places to get help, we, in fact, are, you know, there's a lot of us. You know, the, the data that I have, and it's really hard to kind of figure, get my hands on the data, but everything that I've read shows, suggests that 
anywhere between 35 and 45 percent of all caregivers in the black community are men. Right. And, and so what I always say, and I think I mentioned this the last time we talked, but we're hidden right in, in plain sight. And if you think about, um, you know, lots of times where I think the big challenge for us as men is we, you know, we don't necessarily think of ourselves as nurturing or caring for other people. But if you ask someone, you know, are you taking care of your mother? Are you taking care of your loved one? They'll say, absolutely. You know that. And, and, and again, this is, kind of goes back to the, the same thing as we're not really seen as the men being home taking care of our parents. But we know many of us who live in these communities, that couldn't be anything farther from the truth. The other thing I want to mention is that, you know, men in within the community sometimes are not even looking after their own you know biological or or their married loved one they're looking for they're looking after someone right down the street not going in looking after them seeing if you need medication see if you need this you need that you know we're playing lots of different roles that we don't often think of ourselves as playing those roles and we don't get the, the recognition or the credit that we are doing this and so one of the reasons i'm i'm here is to say that the biggest message, if I want anyone out there listening, when it comes to taking care of anyone, but particularly black men, if you're look, if you're in that role taking care of someone, you know how important it is to be around for that individual. And what I'm on a crusade is I really want you to take care of your own health because you can't take care of anyone else unless you take care of yourself. Now, when I took care of my mother, she had a stroke a couple of years back. And uh, so I went home to help her out, and I was driving back and forth from Chicago to D.C. Uh, to Maryland, basically. But I never saw myself as a caregiver. I just saw myself as just helping mom out. You know, so then, but then you also have that stigma out there that, you know, as black men, we get the reputation of not taking care of our kids, as always being absent and things like that. We don't, we're not looked at as the caregiver. If anything, we're the threat. Or we're the or irresponsible, or not the person that you know. It's usually, the black female that's the one that holds the family together. At, in, in the mindset of pop culture, and the mindset of what is, is how people kind of view us, and what we hear all the time, even in media. So when so when you look at these numbers that you're mentioning, 40, 35 to forty five percent of people, black men of the black community, men are men taking care of or being caregivers. That is something that goes way against the mindset of of what we think and the stereotype. So how do you how do you how do you ch- uh, challenge the stereotype, um, and what needs to be done to kind of show the truth of what's really going on? Well, I think there's a couple things, but you are absolutely right. One, you know, we may use different language in our community. Just like you know, you're a great example of this. I use the word caregiver because I'm a researcher. I've been I've been uh, in trained. I I, I I spend a lot of time around professionals. I'm very deeply ensconced with the Alzheimer's Association. This is nomenclature that they use. You know, caregivers, right? But we may not use that. But you know. Ultimately, we do talk about going down and taking care of grandma, you know, auntie, looking out. I'll stop in and look after you, right? That's the wording that we often use. And like you say, you, it was nothing for you to get in, in, in the car and drive, and you didn't use the word, you know, caregiver. So just because that's the word that everybody else is using, that doesn't mean that we're not having prominent roles in our community and within our families. And and just to say this, I'll give you a couple. I have another a good friend who's doing kind of the very same thing. He's a professor as well. He's looking after 
You know, that's what we do is we look after. I'm going to make sure that you're all right, take care of you, those kinds of things. So I think we have to, one, the first thing we have to do is give ourselves a little license, a little leeway that we don't have to use the language of everybody else um, to define what we're doing. That's number one. But I think the other thing that help, will help us come out of the shadows is that we have to redefine in some respects what it means to be a man. You don't have to suffer in silence. You don't have to be the only one doing all this. You can step out and tell your friends. Look, one of the things that I have found by taking care of my dad is that I, when I talk to my male friends, I say, hey, listen, I've moved back to look to take care of my dad. So it means that some of my social life is not going to be the same way. But my friends, my closest friends, both inside of academia and science, but just my boys, they're like, they are saying to me, hey, we applaud you. You know, we, we want to learn from you because we, we understand that this might be coming down the pipe for us. So I, I found a lot of strength in my community by telling my other brothers that this is what I'm going through. And they've been there very supportive for me. And it gives you other people within that, you know, who are going through the same thing to say, well, you know, I can step up and say that that's what I'm doing, too. I'm looking after my mother. I'm looking after my father. I'm looking after my brother, my aunt. That's what I'm doing, too. So coming out of the shadows and talking about it is going to help us a lot. What I notice in my community a lot is um, with the younger generation, or I don't say the younger generation, but the parents that are raising children today, um, young children. I'm in that group as well. But there is sometimes some families have a network where they're communicating with other families and you know and, and sharing some of the responsibilities, which I think is is smart and I think it's good for the kids. It's good for the families because maybe if if one couple wants to go out and have a date night, then another family can babysit. Or if you know somebody is going to the park or going to on a going someplace, they can say, "Hey, why don't y'all bring all the bring the whole gang along?" And so everybody goes, files into the family you know van, and then goes on a trip. And maybe mom and dad can, or somebody can have a break to do something else. Do you, does, is that mindset common among people who are taking care of not kids but parents or adults or someone a loved one who who's an adult that needs care? Well, you know, I, I think what, the first thing we have to do is, is recognize that in our country, when it comes to older adults, I think one of the things that has hurt us in the black community, you know, we used to live in the same neighborhoods. We used to live in the communities. I'm, my dad is, has nine um, siblings. His, my grandmother had nine siblings, and my grandfather had nine siblings. When they all moved up from North Carolina to New Jersey, the whole enclave lived by each other, right? So back in the day when my great-aunt started, you know, we used to say, well, you know, she's a little senile or she's a little forgetful or whatever. Unfortunately, a lot of times, a lot of families, they put them up on the third floor and kind of just forget about them up there. But the one thing we did have is we had a community all around us. Right. So every, you know, you, you, you helped each other in so many different ways. Now that we've moved, I, my siblings live, one lives in Portland, Oregon, one lives in Rhode Island, another one lives down in Virginia, another one lives up in North, uh, upstate New York. It's very hard to have that, you know, that, that family to draw on all the time. So I, I would just encourage people to find a social network, whether it's your boys that you went to college with, the high school friends you went with, people from your church, your fraternity. You know, you, you cannot be a care giver effectively by yourself. You're going to need that social support, just like when you're raising kids, right? Sometimes somebody got to be there to, to pick up the kids from after school or take them to help you to take them to sports. You're going to need that same kind of support 
when you're looking after a loved one. And in my case, uh, my dad has dementia. Hmm. I think that's words of wisdom, particularly, like you said, just like you take like a like my uh, our kids will go and get a ride from the neighbor to school one day. And then some, one, some days we'll take the kids to school. But we got to get that mentality at the community level with our adults. I think we I think it seems like we still are not bringing to the forefront the idea of we have an aging population in this country. And at some point, we're going to all have to chip in and do a better job of taking care of our elders. Like no question. And on, on that point, which I, you know, th- these numbers are staggering. I don't want to overwhelm people with numbers, but I, I think, I, I, you know, right now, the, the one group, here's something I just want us to think about. The group that has the highest risk or the highest incidence of Alzheimer's disease are black women. Hmm. Women in total have more, they have a higher incidence of Alzheimer's disease than men. But black women, so it hits our community the hardest of any other community, more than Hispanics, more than Asians, more than white. Black women are, at, they're, they're more susceptible, they're at the higher incidence. But at the same time, where then means that, you know, black men are, there's more, more uh, of us that have to step up. So it's a, hitting our community harder. And, and and we have fewer people resources to draw from. As an example, I think I mentioned to you before that um, annually the Alzheimer's Association suggests that about $256 billion of unpaid caregiving resources uh, are spent in, our, in households by family members and loved ones providing care. And an overwhelming percentage of that is coming from the black community. And we're expecting what we call a silver tsunami coming forward where within, I think, by 2030, we'll have more people over the age of 65 than in any other point in history. Mm -hmm. So if you think about what does that mean to our communities, what does that mean for black men when we have to take care of more women in our community? That means that we really have to find internal resources to support one another than waiting for the government, than waiting for anyone else. We're going to have to collectively, with inside of our communities, figure out how to support one another as we support this growing um, neurodegenerative disease in our community. Tell that Paul Revere now, so because that's really important to get that message out. You know, the the, I, the there is we have an aging population. At some point, that silver tsunami is going to hit us, and we and we and that's going to put strains on Social Security. It's going to put strains on a lot of government agencies and resources. Do you see the government doing enough to really take this seriously, and do they have the tools and the understanding of the problem to address it? Well, I think this. I think there's a, 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 an incredible amount of money pouring into research. When I first started this, I think. Uh, when I about five to about seven years, seven eight years ago, the, the the National Institute of Aging, their budget for Alzheimer's research, dementia research, was about four hundred and fifty million dollars. And in that seven year period, it has increased. It is now over three billion dollars, almost three and a half billion dollars. There's a great deal of money going into that, where we see much less money, and really trying to figure out what's the best way to spend that money is is in caregiving 
because if you think about it again, right, Social Security is not going to do it. We have a housing problem right now. People have to go to work. I really feel for and I'm very concerned about the sandwich generation. I have a good friend who played in the NFL. He played for the Detroit Lions. He's got young kids at home. They're, you know, one's just starting high school where his last one's just starting high school. But both his mom and dad have some real physical issues and they're starting to move into the mental issues. Um, how do where are the resources that are necessary to help them is really, really difficult. And in his instance, his sister lives in Detroit, continues to live down the street from the parents. He lives in North Carolina. So it's really challenging for him to go back and forth between North Carolina and up to uh, Detroit and help his sister provide the care for the parents. His first question to me is, Rob, where do I turn to to find the resources that I, ha- I need? Right. So it's, it's a question about is the resources available? How much of those resources can, can you get access? But the big question is, where do you find them? Is there a caregiver around? Is there like a what we would say is a case management worker around that can help me marshal all of the resources? So uh, the big things are, one, is you get in that crisis period when it first happens. But then, two is when you try to find a way where you can have some kind of routine in life and the resources that you you need once you over that crisis period to that day-to-day interactions by looking after and taking care of your loved one. So someone gets and the Sean, news. Sorry, go ahead. Sean, let me just interject. That's why I love having these conversations and bringing in uh, the guest panelists to talk to be able to help people to put things in place before. And I'll keep going back to one of my guests that was on before. She was on in January, Loretta. And when her mom was uh, diagnosed with dementia, instead of signing up at that particular time when she first learned that her mother had dementia, she didn't sign up through the local area agency on aging. She felt that financially she was okay to take care of things and manage things. She waited five years later, four years later to sign up, and then she was like number 28,000 on the list. And it took her another eight years to get to the top of the list. And so that's why it's so important to have these conversations, to have these topics, and even kind of throw around the word caregiver because others are using it. And by using that, they're learning a little bit more about the resources and then within our community, because we see it as what we do, what we were taught, how we were raised, and this is what we do, those finances or those uh, programs out there, a lot of times we don't, we don't hear about them and we don't even think about them, but they're out there for us. So where do you find those resources? What's the first, if a person uh, finds out today that their mother has a stroke or had a stroke and then they, they have to go move back home to take care of them, where's the, what's the first place they should call? I always say, for me, the local area agency, because I would start with your local areas, because if there's, you know, something on the national or federal level, it may be a little difficult to get to. But when you start with your local resources, that's always a good uh, network. I am a I partner with um, 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 AARP. Sorry, they just slipped my mind. With AARP, and they have so many different resources, a part of the uh, veterans community. There's the Red Cross. There's all. But I would always still go back, starting with your local resources. And not just that, your church, your neighbors, your friends. But sometimes you have to be able to come above yourself because sometimes we don't want people to know that this is going on in our household. And it could be something that's out there or someone that can share information to help us. And Keisha, one day we're going to talk about the, uh, the veteran benefits for, I believe it's respite care. 
um, respite care, or, or it might be um, at home care for or skilled care for at home um, disabled veterans or people that mm-hmm. need caregiving. Because I know there's two programs out there, and, and I did this for a veteran uh, a few years ago who was in dire straits, didn't have anyone around him to take care of him. So I was trying to find um, people that could help him. Uh, so I just called VA, and then they gave me mm-hmm. these two options. But nobody had any information about the options. Nobody knew anything that could tell me anything about, you're like, well, I think this guy over here does it, or this guy over there does it, or call this person over there. And then, no, we don't do that over here. So I got the runaround. We got to go back and pick this up topic up. We got about 30 seconds left. Keisha, last words? Uh, no, I'll t- turn it over to Dr. Turner. Dr. Turner? Well, yeah, let me just say to that last question you had, especially if you find yourself in a hospital with a loved one, like a stroke or something like that, most times, most often the hospital will have some kind of case management worker or a social worker or something. Start writing, ask that person right there, where, where do I go for help? Who can help me? There's always definitely the county you start with, especially if you're looking at older adults, they can help you. And if you have a primary care physician, um, ask them who can, where do I start? Because you can't, oftentimes you feel paralyzed when you're in that crisis point. You need someone to help you carry the ball for a little while. Keisha Ella Jackson, U.S. Air Force veteran and family caregiver, Dr. Robert W. Turner II, is a former professional football player and currently assistant professor in the Department of Clinical Research and Leadership at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Science. Thank you for your time. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Sean. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.